Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a It's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi. I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. You guys have asked, and my team, parenthetical, wife, have been on it to get you all the things... And I mean all the things. I am here to let you know that finally merch is dropping. The online shop will open this Friday at 10 a.m. for pre-orders of our shirts and hoodies. And I definitely did not come up with this idea, but apparently the first 20 sold of each apparel item will be signed by me, Ethan Suplee. I think it's a really bad idea, and I certainly don't want a shirt that some jackass has signed. But if anybody's interested in not having their shirt signed and they're one of the first 20, I will happily not sign it. So go to AmericanGlutton.net, Friday at 10 a.m., all the merch drops. Make sure to get it quick because it's not going to last long. If you want to represent being a glutton out there in the real world, get you some. Today, my guest is Dr. Spencer Nadolsky. He is a licensed practicing board-certified family and bariatric medical physician. He is also the doctor of memes. I want to preface this interview by saying that Dr. Nadolsky could have been somebody I talked to about bariatric surgery. However, we recorded this prior to me ever having that thought. So, I have been asked numerous times to get somebody in here to talk specifically about bariatric surgery, and I'm still working on that. Please don't be mad at me that I didn't go in depth with him about this, although he does bring up that it is a very, very solid tool for weight loss. Bear with me. Thank you. Check out Dr. Nadolsky at Dr. Nadolsky on Instagram. Dr. Spencer Nadolsky. Yep, that's right. Did I say it right? Yeah. Okay, good. Ethan Suplee. Yes. We're, we're on the same page now. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I have a lot of questions 
And I have one question that is going to take multiple breakdowns to get through it. It's not just a like yes or no question. But first, I want you to tell us about yourself. Yeah. But, uh, you know, outside of the greatest memes, <laughs> the greatest diet memes the, on Instagram. The fitness meme lord. Yeah. <laughs> so my my quick elevator pitch is that I grew up in a very scientific family with a very athletic family as well. Both my parents were teachers and my dad was also the wrestling and football coach. Big into nutrition and exercise as science. My brother's four years ahead of me, very good athlete in, in high school, four-time state finalist, two-time state champ in Michigan for wrestling. Wow. And very good football player, power lifter, went on to uh, wrestle at Michigan State, actually as an endocrinologist now as well. I kind of followed the same path, but I was discussing before the, the podcast a little bit. I actually had to gain weight, so I was kind of thin, whereas my brother, he was shorter and stocky and kind of grew into his weight. Took me a little bit to go through puberty, so... About my sophomore year, I had to go from 145 uh, or one, you know, 80, 145 freshman year to 180 sophomore year, then 215, ended up being a state champ, but didn't even start my first year of wrestling. So I wanted to play football, gained a lot of weight, got a lot of muscle, became all-state football, state champ wrestling, went on, eventually wrestled at UNC Chapel Hill as their heavyweight, wanted to use exercise and nutrition science to improve health, not really performance. But I was still into performance, too, of course. But went to medical school in Virginia, was trying to decide what kind of medical specialty I wanted to do. And I was convinced I should do family medicine. It's a little bit broad, and then I can kind of specialize further into obesity medicine and a few other things. But um, wanted to prevent people from going to a cardiologist or an endocrinologist when their diabetes or heart disease got too bad. So meet people when they're like teenagers, you know, and younger and throughout uh, young adulthood and kind of use lifestyle as medicine. So then after that, I did specialize in obesity and, and something called lipidology, which is like the, the, the study of cholesterol and um, lipids. And now I'm using online uh, like telemedicine, lifestyle as medicine, and working with a group, uh, Renaissance Periodization, where we have a bunch of PhD, RDs, very smart people kind of pushing the idea of of nutrition science to the masses. Yes. RP is all very smart people. Yeah. They're a very good company, by the way. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I like them a lot. I hope to talk to Mike Israel yeah. soon. Great uh, guy. I have a lot of questions for him. Also, I read his book. I thought it was fantastic. And his TED Talk, The Scientific Landscape of Healthy Eating. Yeah, that's the one. I love that TED Talk. Like, because it's a very serious subject, and he delivers it with such levity. And he has fun doing yeah, it. You he's know? a character. Yeah. Okay, awesome. You know, I think that um, you don't look thin now. I mean, you don't look fat. Careful what you say. No, I'm just Right, kidding. exactly. I don't want to <laughs> no, no, upset fine. you. <laughs> you. You look very healthy. You look like a yeah. big dude. Yeah. And so I think that any kind of... Any kind of thing that you have to affect yourself with food with a lot of thought is valid. So I think we probably run into m many more people today who are overweight, who are who are having to think about their food to lose weight. But I wouldn't dismiss the fact that you had to go the other way and like really put effort into gaining weight. I think it's as, as valid a goal as anything. Yeah, you know, and there's a lot of people out there who will say, hey, you know, you're kind of this lean buff doctor, how can you even help me lose weight? Well, it, it just kind of comes through a lot of practice and dealing with a lot of people with obesity and, and having some empathy. So it's like if, if you became a doctor, you would have a, an extreme amount of empathy for those going through the same process. But, you know, through a lot of practice and understanding, I've kind of learned that. So one of the things I really like about you The memes. The, I love the memes. I love the memes because the memes are really kind of 
trashing on um, objective truth claims where you're just going like, it doesn't matter. But at the same time, you're not saying this is the only right way. Because I think if we broke something down in science in in a Petri dish, you could say the most efficient way to accomplish X is through Y or whatever. Right. But there's a lot of other factors. There's like, and even if you just want to factor in human preference, right. human yeah. preference alone might totally derail a diet. Yeah. And so when I look at what you're you're advocating for, it really is whatever diet works, right. works. I try to go above and beyond that because just saying that it, it's a great sound bite, but then it's like, well, then, okay, then what's the first step to getting and achieving that. Right. Because you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. And then, but by the way, this is kind of what I really am excited to talk to you okay. about. I want to, I want to ask you if you had a guy who was 500 plus pounds as I was at one point, yeah. I don't believe that there is just Atkins right. that runs him through his total weight loss. I think it, and you know, if we do like caloric deficit, I just think it has to change. You know what I mean? Quite often you you get a diet book and it's like, just do this until you're done. Right. You know what I mean? And and then with caloric deficit, sometimes you have to go like, well, you're going to have to adjust your calories mm-hmm. as you lose weight. If I tried to lose weight starting at 500 pounds in the manner that I'm doing it now, it would have taken me nine years. Yep. And, you know, in fairness, it has taken me almost 20 years to get where I am, but I've done total roller coaster. So I've been lighter than I am now. I've been much heavier than I am now multiple times. And so I just want to hear from you, what's the most efficient path and how does it change and how does it vary? And and at 500 pounds, does losing a pound a week sound like a rational plan? Yeah, no, that's actually a wonderful question because some people think that you have to lose it slowly and steadily. And the truth is, is that there's actually some evidence to say those with obesity or a lot of excess weight actually may do better if they lose weight faster in the beginning. And whether that's a physiological reason or a psychological reason where they they have the buy-in. Like you said, if if this is going to take me nine years, forget it. Yeah. So if you're losing, I don't know how much you lost in the beginning, I would probably guess four or five to even 10 pounds a week in the beginning of probably what you were doing. Yeah, I think I I lost 80 pounds in the first two months. Yeah, that's amazing. Which was awesome. And and then I had like, I was invested, you know, Mm -hmm. and I had this like, I was in. What do I do next? Yep. So, so in someone that if someone came to me at 500 pounds, and I get a lot of these patients, uh, especially when I was in the clinic, you know, you go over the options, you go over what they've done in the past. If they've done all the different diets, it's like, well, let's just do another diet. Why would we do that? Why wouldn't we start thinking about? Do we think about? bariatric surgery? Do we think about medicines, medicines that work in appetite? What was the reason that they didn't stick to that? Maybe they did lose a lot of weight. And I know you've lost and gained a lot of weight in the past. What were the reasons behind that? You, you mentioned, uh, you know, you, you weren't necessarily getting jobs and it's like, well, yeah, I guess I got to bulk up uh, in another podcast. You said some other people, did they have a wedding? Maybe they had a death. Maybe they had a job change. Maybe they were just so hungry. And that's, you know, the physiological reasons people have extreme hunger and that's one of the, the ways our bodies fight us. So when you go on a very low-calorie diet, it's actually counterintuitive. Some people actually have better uh, appetite suppression, maybe from the ketones or whatever reason, and, and maybe the buy-in from losing weight so quickly in the beginning 
is helpful. Starvation mode. Yeah, starvation mode. Right. We can we could go over our meme the meme uh, on that. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it, it's really interesting. And, and I think I think you're in the right place right now. And I've had patients that have kind of gone and yo-yoed. It doesn't matter what they did. They could have done Weight Watchers and tried to lose it slowly. They could have tried. They could have lost it fast and then regained it. At some point, we try to find a way that they can do it sustainably, whether it's fast or slow. Yeah. So great. So I basically am hearing like an OptiFast. I don't know if that even exists anymore. Yeah, it does. there's like, multiple. MediFast, OptiFast, multiple different meal replacement like, types of programs. They so can work. In People, the beginning. In the beginning. At morbidly obese. Yeah. That's a viable. It like, is. You know, my wife is constantly asking me, you know. I want to lose five pounds. Right. What do I do? And I'm like, what do you want to do? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And she's like, I want to lose it this weekend. And I'm like, okay, you could do that. You're going to dehydrate yourself. Yeah. And like, here's what it means. But is it so that is not necessarily a diet I would advocate for today. However, I think it's perfectly viable if you're really, really like big. Yeah. It, yeah. It's it's in, and there's a lot of studies looking at that, and I've caught flack for it before. You know, you're you're hawking protein shakes, slim fast never worked for anybody, and it's true. It fails a lot of people, but so does any diet. Right. Anything fails a lot of people out there, including even bariatric surgery. Although that's probably our most powerful tool, but uh, meal replacements can be powerful. And, and as you, it, the important part is transitioning. Most people aren't going to drink shakes for the rest of their life. Personally, I like a shake or two per day, actually. Uh, and a lot of the patients that are successful, they tend to have a shake or two per day and replace a meal, and they like it. But yeah. people that fail on it, they hate it, and they just crash and burn after doing it for a couple months. Right. And so there you go. If, if, if it's something that's not sustainable, then it's not, that's not the thing. At what point would you say rapid weight loss needs to be slowed? Like, what's the level? Yeah, so there's a, a funny thing. I tried to force rapid weight loss on, on a group of, of a cohort on Facebook group. Um, and the, the rule is about a 1% to maybe 2% in the, right in the beginning of your body weight. So for you, you said you're 500 pounds. You were losing about 10. I did the calculation. Okay. About 10 pounds a week, right? Yeah. 80, 80 pounds in, in, eight, in eight weeks. It was a lot. And, you know, honestly, it could have been like 20 pounds the first week and yeah. then 16 and then slowed down. Yeah. Whatever it was, it was a lot. So, you know, the general rule of thumb is rapid weight loss is around that one. And then, then the high end is like that 2%. You, you can run into things like gallstones at that higher at that higher rate. But if you're losing weight at that level, I wouldn't go above and beyond that. Then you're basically just not eating right. at all. Uh, so that's that's right. You know, and some people say it's a pound a week. It's like, no, it's really all relative uh, on the person. So in this Facebook group I had, I had soccer moms that are like 180. And then I had a couple folks who were 400 plus. People are 400 plus. They're losing 5 to 10, 15 pounds in the first week. And the soccer mom's losing 2 to 4 pounds. And they were mad. And I'm like, no, no, you have to look at this at a relative scale. And so if you look at that around the 1% per week, and, and the leaner you get, though, the slower you do want to go. Right. Because that's where you start losing muscle. But at the higher body fat range, you can actually lose fat fast while not losing muscle. Right. So it's possible to not damage. But also, I believe if you're 400 pounds, you probably have a lot more lean muscle than you might even need. Yeah, you, like whatever you're going to wind up at, yeah. you'd be like jacked. Yeah. It, 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 so yeah, and you can go faster and, and you, and yeah, I'm looking at you right now. You got a lot of muscle on you and obviously you've been working hard recently. 220 too. pounds of lean tissue. Just pure beef. Yeah. So, no, right. so yeah, no, exactly. 
Yeah. But what is the area where you would suggest slowing down? Or is there a maintenance period in there? You can. So, you know, at RP, we generally go, you know, three months cutting, and then we take a few months break at maintenance. There's no real rule of thumb. Uh, when you look at long-term uh, dietary trials that have been done, it's around that six-month mark where people just start plateauing and then start to regain. Right. Six to 12 months, right around there. So if I had to guess, it would be nice to catch people before that, give them a break. And, you know, there's a lot of science behind diet breaks. Um, again, some people can just keep losing for, you know, six, 12 months. You've been on a diet for a long time. You're slowly losing right now. Yeah. So I, but I have done maintenance periods. Yeah. So that's good. Just anecdotally, the people that purposely do maintenance periods and understand the long-term vision, they do the best. And that's anecdotally, you know, we don't have any super long-term trials. We can look back retrospectively, like take a bunch of data and see what happened and look back at what they did. But in my experience, the people that purposely take these maintenance periods do the best. But I do know of a few people that just slowly kept losing weight over 12, 24 months. Yeah, I guess, you know, the maintenance periods, when I first was thinking about maintenance, I was thinking about like free time which it's not at all. You're still dieting. You're right. just kind of not trying to lose weight. Right. But the diet doesn't really change. Yeah. If you more calories, right? You're, yeah. You probably upped it by what? 500 or so calories. At, yeah. I mean, in fairness, yeah, about that. 500, maybe yeah. 600. Did it make you feel good psychologically and physiologically? I would get antsy. Like, so scared that I was going to gain yeah. weight because I increased calories. And then when I would notice that I wasn't gaining weight, I would calm down and then I would get antsy that I wasn't losing weight. So it was like, am I going backwards and now am I losing time? And so I'd have to talk my myself through, but I have to talk myself through a lot of mental BS kind of constantly. I think it's good that you share this stuff on the podcast because these are what my patients are going through and they don't have, they may be going through it and, and too scared to even discuss it because it, it is, you're scared of going back to where you were. You're scared you're not going to make it to whatever goal you have. And, th and that's the scary part about maintenance and everybody, I don't know anybody that doesn't have those concerns. Yeah. Even the people that do bodybuilding, that get down to the very low body fat levels, they it can have some body dysmorphia because you're like, I'm used to having this shredded, you know, eight pack. And then all of a sudden, but that, it's not sustainable. Your testosterone's at, you know, tanked. It's like a hundred and you're not even getting erections anymore. Women don't have their periods. They may not get them back if they go down that low too. So there, those are a lot of things that, uh, you know, a lot of everybody has experience with dieting. And maintenance is a good way to check that. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, at some point you're going to plateau and get to a point where you're, you're going to have to stick to some sort of weight. I mean, you're, you know, after listening to you, you have a lot of different goals and you'll probably kind of go up and down, hopefully not all the way back and things like that. But if you get to a maintenance level, you know, it's, it's a way to practice for at some point you're going to have to maintain something for good. Yeah. I, so I, I did keto for a long time yeah. and it was really easy it was just, it, you know, because I have addiction in my past, mm. it's so easy for me to just say like this thing, I don't touch that right. anymore. Right. And so keto was just like complex carbs are, are out and within this realm. And I would start to get a little bit um, sneaky with it and start to, my diet would fill up with like pork rinds <laughs> and, you know, stuff that yeah. dipped in melted mm -hmm. cheese. And like, at the end of the day, I don't think that's healthy. Right. And so- when I would be on the straight and narrow, it was a really clean, quote unquote, clean version of keto. And that 
was just easy. I felt good. I felt fine. I didn't have a huge amount of energy in the gym. Okay. And I noticed that when I lost weight, I lost, I, I never wound up with muscle definition. Were you still lifting hard like you are now? I was trying to. Okay. That's, I mean, that was my intention. My yeah. intention was I want to lose weight and retain. I wanted to, I, I've always wanted to have a six pack. I got down to 220, was really lean riding bicycles, never had a six pack. I had like a, a shadow right. line down from my chest, down my stomach, but I, I never had any kind of horizontal um, shadows. Right. So I was, that was a goal. And I just never I didn't seem to be closing in on it no matter how strict I was. So I switched over to low fat mm -hmm. after watching Mike's TED Talk. <laughs> Scariest three days of my life yeah. where I just every day gained weight, like a lot of weight. I think it yeah. was like eight pounds in three days. Had to talk myself through like off the ledge of yeah. like, I can't do this. I'm going back to keto. And then on the fourth day, I started to lose weight. Within a week, all that, those eight pounds were gone and I was losing weight again, really slowly, but I've just noticed that it's only fat, right? which is, which is huge deal. Now, when you did that, were you counting the calories and macronutrients and, and like weighing everything? Everything. Now, when you did keto, did you do that? Never. So, you know, something that I'd love to talk to you in the future, I'm not even a fan of keto. I think it's good for a lot of my patients that have appetite issues and sure. just, and like you said, addiction issues where it's like, this makes it so simple. I don't even care about these other foods. I'd rather I'm out of my life anyway. Let me just set it and forget it. What would be interesting is to do an experiment where you actually swapped those carbohydrate that you're eating for fat for fat in a what we call like a eucaloric manner like calorie for calorie yeah and then just you know you're going to lose some water weight in the beginning and then see how you feel athletically uh you know performance in the gym and, and you have to do it for a while but keep my protein the same keep your protein about the same that you're probably eating cool pretty experiment, high. how much actually. protein are you eating right now between 260 and 300 grams yeah. a day yeah, it's a lot. I will say the other thing about keto was I didn't really, I mean, I would eat breakfast sometimes. I never got hungry. Yeah. And and then by the time I ate again, I was like, oh, I need to eat, but not like super hungry. I'd eat again. It just had a really kind of like steady thing mm -hmm. where I could have probably done some version of intermittent fasting. Yeah. I, I wasn't, but I could totally see how easy that would be on keto because yep. I just didn't get hungry. Now, eating carbs, when I get hungry, I feel hunger in my right. toes. Like, <laughs> I, my, I get, like, I am just racked with hunger. Um, and so I wind up eating more often, which I think is helpful for retaining muscle. How many... Uh, meals a day are you eating if i count protein shakes and yeah if i count protein shakes it's about six okay so yeah you know evenly spaced uh protein boluses as i would say versus yeah. maybe you know one or two uh on the keto may be beneficial it may be that you're eating overall more protein now is that possible way more okay so way more, more by by huge amounts so that's why it would be a really interesting self-experiment to go like it, it may be that you just didn't have a great uh, formulated ketogenic diet for performance. Right. What it sounds like it was great for appetite and weight loss and satiety. Yeah. But it's possible if you do struggle with hunger, 
I don't, what do you do now when you get hungry? Do you just eat? It's not, yeah, I mean, it's not a struggle. It's more of just something I'm aware of that okay. wasn't present before, that kind of hunger. Like, and yeah, I just eat. I, I mean, I, I bring food with me kind of everywhere I go now, which I never did when I was doing keto. Um, but I'll bring an apple, a banana, okay. a protein shake, even like a handful of amino acids yeah. help when I get really hungry. Is it miserable? right now no okay it's not there's nothing miserable about it at all and i actually think because i had been on a food restriction diet for so long that i just kind of learned what to eat and i kind of knew the difference between a clean diet or a clean mm -hmm. program and a dirty program that it became easy and the more i do this the more i start to think like i could probably eventually pull off a maintenance program hit my protein macros, not really care about carbs versus fat, just look at what yeah. my body feels like it needs. I'm starting to see that more. I'm still on really number crunching time yeah. right now. Mm -hmm. And I have used the RP app, okay. which makes it super easy. I've used my fitness pal. Mm -hmm. those, those things are very helpful. I find I'm looking on Calorie King a lot and just weighing stuff, you know. Do you have psychological distress from doing those things? Like, I'm a little bit neurotic. Your wife's like, why are you weighing a banana at the dinner table? You know, that type of thing. Yeah. I, no, I'm, I'm into it. Good. I kind okay. of enjoy it. I'll tell you what. My wife, she goes back and forth. When I started dieting, I started getting really interested in cooking. It was kind of like a sick, um, probably utterly psychologically wrong sublimation of whatever um, attachment I had to food. Yeah. Now I'm going to not eat anything, but I'll have this attachment to preparing it. So I was ma making my kids like fresh made pasta and like learning how to roll a porchetta and like doing all this stuff. <laughs> I think that, I'm going to come over. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome to. <laughs> And my wife said to me once, she was like, every time you get strict on your diet, we gain weight. It's not <laughs> fair. You know, this whole thing. Her biggest complaint lately is I am so, I spend so much time meal prepping for myself. I'm like, if you want food, it's low fat. Because that's all, I'm not going to spend more time yeah. cooking this not other stuff. shorter to cook. Right. Exactly. Does she like the food? No, not really. No, I mean, it's pretty bland and plain. Yeah. You know, I, Which I is probably it. good. In, yeah. In, in, yeah. I mean, we could go into that too, but uh, that's actually probably a good thing. That's somewhat bland. I think so. For me, it really does switch it over from like mm -hmm. whatever entertainment value it has. Mm -hmm. It's now functional. It's fuel. So for me, psychologically, I feel like I'm in the best place ever. That's great. And I'm not trying to... Um, sneak enjoyment through watching my kids eat something, which is kind of sick, you know? Yeah, you see a lot. I mean, that's that's not, it's actually very common. Family, friends, whatever. That's interesting. I, I like hearing your insights because it's literally what my patients yeah. tell me. Like, eat this pie. Yeah. You're going to love gonna, it. And then just watch them eat just, the pie. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm deriving pleasure from through you. Yeah. Yeah, I want no, some ice cream with that, you know, <laughs> whereas normally I'm like, no, we're not eating sugar after dark. Yeah, you know? no, that's good. You know, and, and you, it, do you feel like you crave those things right now? No. That's good. Not at all. No. Yeah. I mean, but I'm also, I think, eating quite a bit more now than I was, like quite a bit more. And when, do you feel that's because of your weightlifting? Well, I think it's because I wasn't paying attention to protein before. Okay. And protein has so much less calories per gram than fat. 
that it just made a jump when I switched to lean protein. Yeah. There was a lot more of it, like almost double. Yeah, it's hard to eat a big thing of chicken breast, whereas if you ate a, a ribeye or whatever like that, oh man. It goes down easier. And so you did an OptiFast or MediFast in, in the past. Yeah. I did every kind of, like, I, I remember my parents asking me formally, do I want to do a diet? Well, like one time, and that was OptiFast. How old were you? 10. That's young. Yeah. And, but I, but I didn't mind it. I was like, you're drinking these shakes. And then my mom wound up having an issue with it. And I don't know mm. what her issue was. If she like read something and, and was like, suddenly this is unhealthy. So you're not doing it anymore. Uh, but I was allowed to have diet soda, which I okay. wasn't allowed to have otherwise. And these shakes, which tasted good. And I was losing weight and I was totally happy with it. Then we kind of were just like a family who went through like, Oh, candida's a thing. We're now going to eat this way and only this way. Uh, and like all that other food is poison, so we're not going to eat it. And, you know, all of the basic California fads that happened yeah. were just a part of my LA. life. Yeah. It's a big thing. I mean, now, like, let's talk about this because you got to get this kind of thing all the time. All the time. It's, you know, carbohydrates are bad. By the way, you're, I think it's a, called a meme, right? Yeah. About like you can lose weight with yeah. eating carbs. It's so the greatest a, thing ever. <laughs> the original was a TikTok. I, I think they were looking at an acceptance letter or something like that. And there were a few other funny variations that had nothing to do with fitness. And I'm right. like, oh, I got to be the first fitness person to do this. Yeah. And it went viral and you shared it and I was getting tagged on, on your on your wall. And I was like, oh, Ethan shared this. That's pretty cool. It was incredible. <laughs> and I couldn't stop. I just watching it. I was laughing and I couldn't stop laughing. Yeah. And other people were just dying laughing. Yeah. You're just kind of smiling with your sign. And the dad's like, no, no way. No way. No way. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> so do you mind me asking some history before when you were younger? Like, do you remember in elementary school, you, you felt like a bit larger than the other kids in your classroom? I was the largest kid always do you mind me asking about your parents do they have excess weight or anything like that my mom did not when i was a little kid okay but later in life she did and you have siblings i have one sister and she did okay and my dad did not okay so it's an interesting thing so yeah starting off young and you know, now you see it a lot more common in, in in elementary school pictures obviously you see the stats going up but uh so you, you're the larger one in the classroom, and then you get put on a diet young. And then your family, like you said, now you're starting to go through the L.A. fads and all these different things. Yeah. And that might have had an effect. And you're in the right place now, though. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I think it did, it, I think it did have an effect. And the only reason I'm in the right place now is I've, like, tried to go. I, I need a real goal, yeah. and, and it can be whatever, you know, but I need to have that. I need to aim for that. And then I need to adjust when I get there. Because by the way, you get to any of these goals and it's not exactly what you thought no, it was going to be. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, I want to be at 15% body fat. And then I'm like, but I'm looking at pictures of guys at 15%. I don't look like that. Yeah. And now I need to be at 10% Ten. body fat. You know, and on my way there, I'm showing people pictures of me with my shirt off. And they're like, you're there. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, let's put calipers on you. You're fine. Yeah. And it's like, no. And now it's just a number. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I also have a, a much more thorough understanding of food now. And I've done a lot of like just really looking at my behavior. and what I do and tried to combat that, you know? 
You have a lot of insight. I listened to your other podcasts, and you, like I said before, the, the we started this, but you're 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 very well read. You've clearly done your research, and it like you're not in any one dietary camp. That's a very important thing. You get these zealots that push it one way or the other in a dietary camp, and they will cherry pick data to fit their agenda. Whereas you, I mean, you came out and just said. This is the way I'm doing it. I've done it a few other ways. They all kind of work, but I really like this way. And I, I just think that's important for the listeners as you go through these different podcasts. You keep, you keep that theme. Yeah. The other thing that I don't want to do is like change anything while it's successful. Right. And since I'm doing this now, I'm like just want to keep doing yeah. it. But I will say I haven't been as intrigued to experiment with your fat to carb thing, mm. like if I switch over and I keep it around 50% protein or 45% protein, whatever it is, yeah. and switch my carbs and fats, which would maybe put me into keto, maybe not, I don't know, but whatever right. that is, if I'm, if the major f energy I'm getting is from fat, I want to see about if I could continue to hold on to the muscle and yeah. lose weight. Like, that's an interesting experiment. It would be fun. Yeah. I did it the opposite way. I love low carb. You know, I've always been a low carb fan. But, you know, as as an athlete, I, you know, after I was done being a heavyweight, I just ate everything as a heavyweight. But when I was trying to be maintain a low body fat level, I was mostly low carb. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to go high carb and do a bodybuilding show. So I did it just like this, but the opposite way. And yeah, there's maybe a little bit of weight gain like you did at the beginning. So that's why it's funny. You gain some glycogen and water yeah. in your muscle. But then to me, I feel more pumped in the in the gym, feel like I have a little bit more energy and not as restricted. With carbs. Yeah, with the carbs. And so what would be interesting is, yeah, get definitely get to your goal doing what you're doing right now. Don't change. <laughs> Absolutely don't yeah, change. Yeah, no, no. But, I, but, but maybe I think, in the future, it'd be fun. Well, I might even try that on a maintenance thing yeah. just to see how I feel because I'll still be working out, you know. Yeah. And it might... I mean, I don't, I actually think it will be uh, a lower weight on the scale, so it won't mess me up at all, although I'll right. have to keep that in mind when I put the carbs back in. Yeah, and you, you'll be mindful. It, it would take a few weeks, but a few weeks and watching your performance in the gym just to make sure, and just if you start seeing it just go down, 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 it's like, all right, well, screw this. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, as far as um, the diet zealots go, I think that, look, I understand somebody has a position that they want to sell to people. Yeah. The tactic is, this is the best. This is the way to do it. And that's like cars or toothpaste yeah. or whatever. That's how you sell something. Yeah, marketing. But I think when we're, we're dealing with people who, you know, it's really somebody's life. Yeah. For me, I spent so much of my time and energy on this that it's like, it's a huge part of my life. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. To have the belief, which I had many times throughout my life, that, that this was really the only way to do something. And, and that goes back to, you know, dumb stuff. Like I remember as a kid being told like the Beverly Hills diet is it like, this is the way to lose weight. And it was like pineapple for four days. And then you add in papaya or something like that. An insane diet, like not healthy at all. When you buy into something and then it doesn't work, I don't think it's common to go, well, it's that thing or that thing wasn't right for me. It's often, or my feeling often was I'm a failure. I can't do it because the best thing didn't work for me. Yep. So it's really disingenuous, I think, to to sell something like a diet, which could be right for a large group of people as right for everyone and, and the best and the most efficient. And, you know. Yeah. You know, like I said, you have a lot of insight going into this. And the fact that you were able to persevere through that initial weight gain after doing Mike's addition uh, of a healthy diet you persevered because you're like, this is science, this is science. But most people would go, screw this, after a week of gaining weight. And so they, wouldn't even, they wouldn't even push through. They're like, see, it didn't work. Carbs are bad. It was a tough few days. I'm not going to lie. I almost fell off. I mean, it was a really tough few days. So I wish I could take whatever was going on in your brain, whatever that perseverance was, and the logic actually too. And multiply that because that's that's the issue with a lot of uh, a lot of people. They think carbs are bad simply because of insulin hormones or whatever. When it's like, no, it it just may be that you have better satiety, better energy on a lower carb diet. Okay, let's talk about the diet after. Like, if it, yeah. if, if you if you go super extreme, mm-hmm. which can work in some instances, yeah. can be fine. How careful do you have to be coming out of that? Because I know this is where I would mess up quite often is I'd go super extreme and then just fall apart and like go like, well, I'm still kind of dieting, but I'm eating a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. So just having some semblance of of energy balance and and these programs that are doing the meal replacements, they're supposed to transition you correctly. I don't see many people do it correctly though. The people that do it correctly do very well, but they just go from – having 800 calories or 1,000 calories a day on a shake diet, maybe one small whole food meal. And then all of a sudden they pretty much, like you said, go back to what they were doing before, but maybe with one shake a day. So they're going to McDonald's or whatever. 
and and just having the shake and they completely lose sight of the whole energy balance thing because you can increase your calories as you showed with your maintenance phases you increase your calories and then you can stay at the current weight while at a higher caloric intake so what people do they don't even understand that at all and don't have it formulated well they don't transition well and they just go back into their bad habits and their energy intake just blows out whatever they're supposed to eat at maintenance right and that's where you get the potential or the possibility for hyperplasia, actually creating new fat cells. Potentially. Potentially. It's, it's, the big thing is just you're just going to regain even the fat cells that you have. Uh, actually, you know what's funny? That, I don't know if you follow him. Bill Campbell just uh, is a scientist down in Tampa. He just posted the two references that I actually downloaded and kept because that question comes up a lot. And we generally have the same amount of fat cells of around 20 to 30 years old. And we just kind of, some die and we keep replenishing them. But in general, you fill up the fats. You, you, you lose the fat within the cells and then you can fill them back up pretty easily. Right. And the biggest signal though is, is, is our appetite and whatever's controlling that. There's lots of different hypotheses out there, but the set point and settling points uh, and, and somehow some people's bodies fight them harder. Their met- metabolic rate goes lower than what we'd expect way further. Some people don't really have that. Some people have a huge amount of appetite driving them to eat. The things that you do, like what you're doing right now, you're you're combating it in different ways. You're lifting weights, which may have some signaling to appetite in the brain. You're also, by lifting weights, you're th- those calories that you're eating, you're partitioning them to muscle. It's important to keep your fat-free mass as you lose fat because your body, there are some studies that show that maybe your body wants to regain a ton of weight just to get your fat-free mass back. So if you gain a ton of fat with that, just to get your fat-free mass, your muscle and your bone back up, then it comes along with the ride. So lots of different right. things there. And you're consciously doing these things that are actually combating your body from fighting you back. Fighting my body from coming back and then also fighting the fact that in Los Angeles, wherever you go, you're smacked in the face with very inexpensive, yet very physically expensive calories. Yeah. Kind of nonstop. You get gas. Here's a whole bunch of stuff to eat. You you go out to the movies. Here's a whole bunch of stuff to eat. You walk your kids to the mall. You, you basically have to go through a food court now yeah. just to get into the mall. So, you know, there's a lot of mental there, too. Mm-hmm. And so I think the more literal and science-based I get with what I'm going to eat, the more that stuff doesn't become an option. Yeah, imagine you're on an island. You don't have a—you're not getting bombarded from that. You may have those hunger signals, but the, the well, you can go. You can go fish. You can go hunt. You can go gather berries and whatever. You're getting bombarded, and, and it's so easy to just go, oh, okay, and give in. Uh, so I think that's a good testament that you're you're finding ways around it. Yeah, I'm trying to. It's it's not super easy, but it, but I think you you can find there there can be paths that you navigate where it's successful. I read an article in the New York Times, and I don't think it was recent. About I think it was called the Dutch Winter Famine. Do you know about mm. this? Where during World War II, a bunch of Dutch people starved, and then their children had extra fat storing abilities. It's an interesting thing. And, you know, I'm not an epigenic expert, but it's possible there's some metabolic programming going on there to where, yeah, all of a sudden they have some genes or epigenetics are turned on in a certain way that maybe gives them a propensity to gain more fat. Right. And maybe appetite too. You know, I've seen some of that stuff. And that's why all these things play. Like, 
your I have this uh, blog post. I, I'll send it to you. But everything that happens to you, you do have choices, but a lot of things are out of our control. And we have to do our best to control what we can and accept what we can't. You know, there's some studies that show, depending on whether you're breastfed or, or, or bottle fed with formula, that may have an impact, you know, whether that's, you know, legit and science-based. But all these little things, what your mom did while you're in utero was she sedentary? Did she eat a lot of fast food? That may change your taste preferences. Did she eat a lot of vegetables? That may taste, change your taste preferences. Is that your fault that you don't like them? What about, uh, um, you know, growing up? My dad, like, you know, had us in the weight room because he liked going to, to work out. Other people, maybe they're working a second job, you know, and, and the kid's at home and maybe he's getting behavioral issues. And then they put him on a, a psychiatric med that increases their appetite. They gain weight when they're younger. It's harder to lose weight as you when you get it younger. So all these things start factoring in, and in the end, you know that's why it's very powerful. You know, you you went Kevin, you're talking with Kevin on the podcast, and the actress came up to you and and said a, uh, an explicitive, and you're just sitting there going like, you don't even know me, you don't know my past. All you see is this body right now in front of you. Right. You have no idea my history. You don't know how hard I'm working. What if I? What if you see somebody down the street? They're you know 300, 400 pounds, right? And you're like, yeah, they they have obesity, right? What if they were 600 pounds before and they lost half their weight? You don't know that. You just see them as they are right now. And you're like, screw them. You yeah. know, they're, they're lazy. So, like, anyway, uh, sorry to go off on a tangent. No, I, just think I love it's the important. tangent. I think the tangent is really important, too, because I think that it's a double-edged sword. When I was a kid, I think it, you know, and I'm sure for a lot of people, there was a lot more attention and there was a lot more shame involved with mm. being overweight. It's now so prevalent that I, I'm i happy when there's a little girl on a halter top. You know, Lizzo, hell yeah. yeah. Lizzo, be proud of yourself. Like, I think mm -hmm. that's awesome. But I think when, when we think about things like this Dutch winter famine mm -hmm. theory, we have to realize that when we're dealing with famine that kills you right away, the body reacts to that. And the genes react to that, and this is all my theory. I don't know if this is provable. In a different way than something that takes 30, 40, 50 years to kill you, yeah. and and you kind of get past the point of procreation. So that's the, like another real key. Yeah. Famine hits, everybody dies. The body yep. is going to react to that. Mm -hmm. The body is going to go, we can't allow this to happen again. The state we have now where, yeah— you can live a long time and be very overweight, yep. which is another like bizarre tick in the pro category. And the body's not going to adapt. Yeah. So we're not going to really ever evolve to be able to eat the way we're eating, Correct. which is bizarre. Like, how do we combat this? It's yeah. all got to be through decision. Yeah. It's, it's amazing that you have this insight because these are the actually the debates that are at these large obesity conferences oh, with really? the smartest obesity reachers. So I love your insight and, and your intuition here because, yeah, like what are, what are we going to do to combat it? So we, we could do legislation and, and ban sugary foods. They've done that with diet with, with sodas, not diet sodas. I right. made a meme about that. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the comments exploding. The comment. That was so comment good. Such a, that was funny. There's legislation. We, what we think is probably you're going to have to change the environment somehow because if you're getting bombarded, I don't know why you have the resilience to to not go to those places, but a lot of people just don't. And whether it's because, you know, we think they have low willpower or whatever, I don't know. 
I don't know if we can safely say that, but uh, I don't know. I think somehow we got to get people and just create a path for them. Right. At the same time, allow Lizzo to be proud of who she is. Right. I think both things are true. So I'm sure you saw in the in the news, uh, Jillian Some Michaels. Actress. Michaels, yes. Yeah, the, you know, the, the biggest loser, which is lots of controversy with that to show. Uh, my friend Yoni Fried, uh, Friedhoff, you might want to have him on the, on the podcast. Very good, smart uh, obesity uh, clinician, but he's up in Canada. We won't. We won't hold that against them. But sure. um, so Jillian Michaels, you know, made some comment. People were asking her, what do you think about Lizzo and how she's proud of her body? And the thing is, like, we should accept our bodies. We should love them. What? And she kind of went a little bit further than what she probably should have and said, but we shouldn't be glorifying obesity and, and glorifying diabetes and whatever because it's really bad for you. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, losing weight is hard as your podcasts and your talks and what we're talking about right now, show, it's going to be really hard for people to lose weight and keep it off. So maybe we, sh- and, it, and it probably causes more harm for just shaming people and because it is going to be hard for them to lose weight and keep it off anyway. So why don't we just make sure that they understand they're loved and they should love themselves and do the best we can at finding ways to help people lose weight and keep it off without shaming them and making them feel bad if they can't. Because most people, a lot of people won't be able to. I guess at the end of the day, I think that's all valid. I just go, a person's health and what they do with their body at the end of the day is none of my business. Yes, absolutely. And so, like, it's just, it just happens to be with food, it becomes quite a bit more obvious. Now, there's other people who could be have terrible diets and wear their problem in plaque and cholesterol without gaining weight. Mm -hmm. That could be it. I just wonder if, you know, and you see it a lot with the calories that are now printed. I don't know if they do this everywhere, but in California, I think the values of any um, fast food meal yeah. has to be printed alongside mm-hmm. of it. And you go, holy smokes, yeah. that cheeseburger's about a whole day's worth of yeah. calories. That's a lot, yeah. you know. And then you see uh, Charlie, one of the RP guys who I love following, yeah. he Good posts guy. two cheeseburgers and it's like 600 calories. Yeah. And it's like, you can do this. You can yeah. You can game a cheeseburger. But I just wonder if it's really, it lies on the back of an understanding of how our bodies react Mm -hmm. to feast and famine, specifically feast and famine, how we adapt to famine and how we don't adapt to feast because it doesn't kill us right away. Right. You know? And so we're never really going to figure this out if we keep contributing to it by buying it and having it be so prevalent you know I what know. i mean and i don't want laws against soda i know <laughs> i really don't i don't i think people should be able to smoke and drink and do whatever they yeah. want to themselves that said i do know because i was in this camp a lot of people are struggling with just not really understanding the dynamics at play or caring right or caring you you yeah. go numb to it yeah. you know it's like an apathy towards life like i'm eating the food i'm given and this is what happens yeah. to me and i'm powerless over yeah. it you know what i mean that's I a know terrible mix pr- not good for me i don't really care or whatever right yeah, exactly yeah i want people to choose what to do with their bodies yeah. and, and 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 i also like i don't give a shit if if somebody chooses to eat and be fat like that's perfectly fine because it doesn't have an effect on you it really doesn't and you know i i then even hear the argument where they go down the road of like healthcare yeah, that's what I was increase say. in mm-hmm. healthcare right. and i'm like 
uh, that's such a mess already. And the way our, our medical system is run and the lawsuits and the malpractice insurance, yeah. like let's clean up that before we worry about human beings making decisions with yeah. their body. But so I think it's, it's great that there are guys like you, great that there are guys like Mike out there. Yeah, Lane Norton's another guy. You'll really, have to have I him. I admire on. him a lot. Yeah, he's He'll, awesome. He may swear, may get a little bit uh, abrasive. It's yeah, perfect for you. He'll get yeah. along with him. <laughs> and we can we can start to like peel apart, like try a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Something's going to fit your preferences. Something's going to fit your preferences. And then based on that, you can build a system where you can navigate the craziness out there because it is craziness. It is crazy. And like you said, it's important to understand those things And because if someone says one way is the best and you fail it, you're going to be like devastated. And I'm done. So well, if, I, if I couldn't do the only way to do it, what's the point right. of trying another way? Exactly. It's very important. That's important because some people will say, why not just say that keto is magic and, and it works from lowering insulin as long as it works for somebody. I'm like, for all those uh, successes that you see, there's 10 failures. And they'll deny that, but I see it in the clinic all the time. So right. I like what you're saying there. I've not heard of any diet that was successful for no. everyone. No. Now, the reality is they're not successful because of human failure. Yeah. That's it. I mean, unless you go to something like the Beverly Hills diet or the Hollywood diet or one of these really fantastical, crazy wingnut diets where it is just complete malarkey. Right. But basically eating keto, eating zone, eating Palm Beach might be or Mediterranean or this one or pick a locale. Alaska might have a super salmon saturated That might be good. Right. Exactly. (laughs) It all basically works. Yep. You know, exactly. low fat works. Mm-hmm. And for me, I I didn't start at 530 pounds to do low fat. And my only concern was I want to retain muscle. I got to say, though, I was super excited about having a piece of bread, mm. which I found most bread has a little fat in it, which yeah, is a, a bummer. Bit. The carbs without the fat are not as much fun not, as I remember them. Not nearly. Yeah. Have some pasta without oil. And by the way, try to find a can or a jarred pasta sauce without oil. Right. Good you luck. basically make it yourself and it doesn't yeah. even taste like It's good. terrible. <laughs> I mean, like dry rice, yeah. dry pasta, dry potatoes, dry bread. I was so excited to eat these things. And then on day one, I was like, this is not super magical <laughs> without the fat. Exactly. You know? Bread with butter, like yep. glistening. That's magical. That yep. to me is mm-hmm. a magical place. So I'm very happy that I didn't suddenly fall in love with all this food and start having this, you know, euphoric sensation while I was eating it. It's just fuel. Yep. I I, I love it. I, I'm glad that people can listen to this and hear your insight and because they're they're you're gonna help a lot of people that are hearing this. I hope so. That's the goal. Yeah. Doc, thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate Great it. Great chat. Yeah, we got to do it again. <laughs> of course. Okay, cool. Thanks for writing into AmericanGlutton.net. Eugene writes, hi from sunny South Africa. What is your current eating plan and how do you deal with loose and excessive skin? Thanks for the question, Eugene. So my current eating plan is a 20% caloric deficit. So that brings me to about 2,500 calories a day. And then I split that up. Uh, the majority of which goes to protein, and then second to that is carbohydrates, and lastly to fats. I find that eating 1 to 1.2 grams of protein per pound of body weight is important for maintaining muscle mass. 
I find the carbohydrates necessary for energy in the gym. A certain amount of fat is just necessary for um, micronutrient absorption. So you got to have some fat. You can't go zero fat. That's my current eating plan. How I deal with loose and excessive skin, the, the human body is a real marvel. Skin is an organ and it's an elastic organ so we can stretch it out. This is why a woman can get pregnant, stretch out the skin covering her stomach, have the baby, and then the skin will shrink again because it's, it's just been stretched out. The problem is if you stretch it out and then hold it there for too long, the skin now has a new base set for, for elasticity. It grows to the size you've held it at for a long period of time. And it does this so that it can be elastic at that size. It thinks this is how big we are and this is how big we're going to stay. So if you are very big and then lose a bunch of weight, there really is nothing that I've found that you can do to shrink your skin. Aside from filling it up with muscle or cutting it off, I have no real solution for loose skin. Thanks for the question, Eugene. If you have questions you'd like me to answer on the podcast, please submit them to AmericanGlutton.net. Like, subscribe, and give us all the accolades you feel comfortable giving. Thanks for listening. Sincerely. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.